Celebration Rock Podcast presented by 93XFM here in Minneapolis and Uprocks.com. I'm your host, Stephen Hyden. My guest today is Taylor Goldsmith, the singer-songwriter, the frontman of Dawes. Dawes put out their latest record, Passwords, last month. I like it a lot. It's been one of my albums of the summer. It has like a real kind of great 70s soft rock sound to it. Very smooth, very soulful, kind of hushed, and yet a lot of sort of emotion underneath all of that. And I was excited to talk to Taylor, and he he's a really thoughtful guy. We talked a lot about songwriting. We talked a lot about what it means to be a band in their situation right now, sort of between the mainstream and the indie rock worlds. And uh, we talked about what it's like when you work in the same industry as your wife's ex-husband, who is... A fairly famous person, <laughs> and if that's ever awkward, we got into that as well. So it was a really fun conversation. I'm excited to get to that. But before we do, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors for this week, and it's our old friends at Harry's. Now, I know some of you are hair suit individuals. You need to keep it nice and tight, or you need to keep it altogether clean because you don't have any facial hair. And, uh, you know, I know as a person who is bearded that. Buying razors is kind of a pain. You have to go to the store. You have to spend all this money. Uh, It's never fun to buy razors. Well, you don't have to go to the store, and you don't have to spend a lot of money because of Harry's. Well, I have a special deal for my listeners. If you need razors and you don't want to go to the store and you don't want to spend all that money, I can get razors to your door at a good price, and that is through our good friends at Harry's. Now, what is the special offer for my listeners? Well, because Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades— and they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision. For a limited time only, they're offering my listeners a deal on their shave set. All you need to do is go to harrys.com, enter in the promo code ROCK, and you will get this set, which includes a quality five-blade razor, a weighted handle, rich foaming shave gel, and a travel cover, all just for three bucks. Now, again, this is a limited time offer. It's only for Celebration Rock listeners. Again, you want to go to harrys.com. Promo code ROCK, you're going to get $5 off that shave set, so it's only 3 bucks, and you're going to get free shipping with that too. Again, just go to harrys.com, enter in the promo code ROCK at the checkout, and you will get the razors sent to your door. Okay, so I feel like I need to address my personal history with Dawes before we go into this interview. And if you know anything about me, <laughs> you know that a while ago I used to uh, work for the AV Club, I was the music editor there. And when I was there, I wrote a Newswire post about the second Dawes record, Nothing Is Wrong. And we had, uh, I guess it was like a a promotional video. You could call it a commercial (laughs) for the album, a trailer for the album that we posted in the Newswire. And I wrote a, a brief for that that was very quick. And I said something like, I really like Dawes. This is a great band and you're gonna like them too. And here is the trailer for the album. And it turned into this thing on the site. It was a meme on the site. It may still be a meme on AV Club for all I know about Dawes 
And it just turned into this kind of crazy thing that had a life of its own. And uh, (laughs) so in a way, Dawes has sort of like been a part of me for a long time, even though I really do like this band. I liked them since their first record, which came out in 2009. That was called North Hills. And, you know, I feel like they've been a consistently good band that entire time without ever really kind of capturing a lot of media attention. You know, they're one of these bands that can play a tour and play big theaters, can play 2,500-seat theaters, and yet their albums don't get reviewed on Pitchfork. You know, and there's a lot of bands like that. And it's that's very interesting to me that uh, there's this class of bands that have found an audience without sort of relying on the media to publicize what they're doing. And it's because, one, they make really good records, and, and two, because they play really great live shows. And I think that's been true for Dawes over the course of the past decade. So I had actually never talked to Taylor Goldsmith before. This is the first time we ever spoke. And I was curious to you know, just kind of talk to him about the band's history, how they got to this point, and how they feel about sort of navigating this music world that we live in where there are all these sort of different strata that you can be in where you aren't seemingly the flavor of the month and yet you're playing much bigger shows than bands that do get written about by critics much more than, than you do. Uh, so Taylor was, he had a lot of interesting things to say about that. Also a lot of interesting things to say just about the new record, uh, which again is called Passwords. And uh, you know, one song that I really wanted to talk to him about is Telescope, which is my favorite song on the record. It's one of my favorite songs really of like the first six months of 2018. I think it's a really good example of what this band does well, which is really good storytelling lyrics coupled with like really sort of understated ensemble playing. You know, this band just sounds really good when they play together in a way that you could point to bands of the past, you know, if you want to liken them to Little Feet or the band, you know, groups like that that really kind of put in the work of going on the road, playing together a lot, and then they get into the studio and they have this sort of telepathic connection when they when they play together. And I think Dawes, what they have is comparable to that when you listen to their records. So it was fun talking to Taylor about all this stuff. And uh, when we get into it, this is me and Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes talking about passwords, talking about playing in a band, talking about getting along with ex-husbands, <laughs> all those types of things. All right, here's me and Taylor. Enjoy. Before we get into the new record and your career and all that stuff, and I'm excited to talk to you about all that because I've been a fan for a long time, but I just oh, had to thank you quick because... Uh, one of the albums I've been obsessed with lately is Fisherman's Blues by The Water Boys. Oh, it, man, what a record. It's a great record, and I was turned on to it because you guys covered that song a bunch. I guess that would have been like 2015 or so. I don't know if yeah, you're still yeah. playing that live. Um, how did you get into that record? Um, I got into it because of the record before it, Hole of the Moon, um, within specifically that song, Hole of the Moon. Um, when I heard that song, I heard it on the radio, weirdly. I think it was on like... KCRW here in LA where they were doing some new stuff and some old stuff because that record came out in the 80s and um and yeah that 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 song freaked me out because the w- w- the words were so strong and like you know a lot of times rock and roll bands when they're like when they're bands bands like it that's not typical or or you know it's it's like when you when you hear like I don't know at least to me like when you find a great lyricist typically they're kind of rolling on their own um, obviously there's a, a amazing exceptions to that rule, but that <laughs> seems to be pretty consistent. So to hear a, hear a, a song from that era 
with such beautiful lyrics, um, it made me like, oh, I'm going to listen to this whole Waterboys album, uh, This Is The Sea. And so I really got went deep on This Is The Sea. And then, um, and then, if if anybody likes that album, then it's it the the only logical step to take is to then find um, Fisherman's Blues. And then, I mean, I, I like all the Water Boys records now, and I, I even read his book, and I'm a, I'm a pretty deep fan now. Um, but but yeah, Fisherman's Blues really freaked us out. And then and then um, and then it it kind of started on accident because we were at the, we were at a rehearsal, um, we were rehearsing for that tour, I think, and um, and Griffin just started playing that beat that he plays that well in our version yeah it, it sounds almost like something that you'd find more on like a dave uh, like a peter gabriel record or a eurythmics record or something and then um i just started singing the lyrics to fisherman's blues and it's just four chords the whole song so everyone kind of fell in and we were like wow this is we just kind of did our own version of something let's let's uh let's put that on the stage and it's funny we still get we still get uh requests for it it's pretty it's pretty cool it's like people would rather hear that than Daw songs, which is which I understand. <laughs> well, you made it a Daw song though, because I know when I heard the the Waterboys version, it's a lot different from the Daw's yeah. version. Yours yeah, is there's, dreamier there's and much slower. more of like a like a, a galloping folk song or something, and, and ours is yeah, it sounds like Peter Gabriel covering Waterboys or something like that. But it, it was just cool because I was aware of the Waterboys because I knew World Party, which is, you know, Kurt Wallinger. Oh, yeah, which same record, yeah. And uh, and uh, World Party is more almost like ELO in a way. You know, they're yeah, totally. kind of folky. And, uh, but yeah, and that, and that they got their band name, World Party, from the song World Party on Fisherman's Blues. Exactly. So everything came together. Yeah, through get, getting into it, listening to uh, to you guys, listening to uh, to bootlegs, basically from that time uh, when you guys yeah, were touring yeah, in twenty fifteen. Yeah, totally, because um, you guys, I mean, you occasionally cover songs live, and I know you're a big music fan. Is there a motivation for you in a way to turn people on to a record? Is is that ever part of it for you, or is it just because you love the song and you want to play it? Um, you know, I never thought about it like that. I never, like it's it's never been like. Oh man, I really hope people will discover the Waterboys. Although I do have that feeling, but it's never like I'm going to play that in order to get the word out. It's more just like, oh, this song's awesome and it's fun to sing, and and we, you know, let's put it in our set. Um, but it's tough. I mean, now that we're releasing like our sixth record, it's the idea of covers gets like tougher and tougher because there's a lot of ground we want to cover. You know, it's like we got. Well, I want to. I want to represent every album. I really want to represent the new album, whatever it is at that time. Um, so the idea of cover songs um, becomes tougher and tougher each time. The the one cover I'm thinking that could be fun. I mean, this might not happen. In fact, it probably won't. But <laughs> the one cover I was thinking for this next run what could be that could be fun would be "Through the Wire" by Shaka Khan. I feel like w- what the band does is so um, so involved and so amazing, and the chord progressions and the sounds are so great, and it'd be really fun to try to learn that, really just as an exercise for ourselves. The only thing we'd have to do is uh, bring the key down, like, almost an entire octave (laughs) for me to be able to sing what she can sing. Well, now that you've put that out there, I feel like there's no choice for you but to do that. Because people are going to be like, wow, I have to hear Dawes cover Shaka Khan. This is like a, this is a concept I'd (laughs) never considered before. I mean, like the band will sound good. I can't, I can't promise the vocals will. I mean, (laughs) the the bar is sort of high. So you mentioned Passwords, the sixth record, and and I'm anxious to get into that because I really like the record a lot. I've been listening to it a bunch recently. Uh, I just wanted to talk about my personal connection to the band because, you know, I, I saw you guys early on in your career 
Um, the first time was on the Day Trotter tour in like 2009. Oh, cool! That was such a good time. Yeah, really early. Cause I used to live in Milwaukee, and oh, cool. And I feel like you guys, early on, especially, would play there like every six months, either on a bill with somebody or you played some headlining shows at that time. And it seems like the work ethic you had early on has continued throughout the entire course of the band. I mean, again, you know, this you're putting out your sixth record now in nine years. There's also a live record you put out last year. So a new album almost every year and a half or two years or so. Talk about that work ethic. Where does that come from? I mean, it seems like you've had that from the beginning. And why is that? Why do you work so hard? I think it comes from the place for us, like for me, like, you know, there's these, there's these heroes or, and in some cases for us, there's contemporaries. Um, where you, when you come across them, there's no denying that they are this, this, you know, this genius, this ambassador, this sort of like medium of you know the, the some message from a higher plane, where it just kind of flows through them, and 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 I've always admired that, but I don't, I know, I know that's not me. I know that's not what I. I know that's not how I work. I've never, I've like if anybody that's going to decide to get into something creative, they will find out very fast that there are um, there is someone more talented than you everywhere you look, <laughs> and I don't mean that as a bad thing. Yeah. I mean because I because I think that um, it, what it can serve as rather than something that like knocks you on your ass, it can serve as something that propels you and motivates you, and that's what it did for Dawes. Um, I think you know coming out of a band with Blake Mills, who I've always admired so much who I always looked up to so much as a songwriter and a guitarist. And then, like, kind of coming into this world where I was meeting, free, on a regular basis, um, incredible songwriters doing things that I could only dream of, it became clear, like, okay, there's, there's going to be other dudes that, that have gifts and skills that I don't have, um, and I can't control it. Um, but one thing I can control is, uh, like, how hard I hustle. And how and how and how much I work, and and how how I can you know outwork anybody. Like I I you know I don't feel I don't feel um, and I'm proud of that. I, I I feel like like there was a lot of times with Dawes where you know we would be willing to tour, you know we'd be willing to play 365 shows a year if that's what we were asked, if that's what it took. Um, and now we're luckily in a place where that wouldn't even really behoove us anymore. I think fans would just get sick of it. But but um. But it's 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 we've never shied away from how much work was involved. But it was because we were coming from this place of of feeling like that's that's um, kind of the only um, that's the only thing within our control. And I and it's and it is always heartbreaking when you come across creative people that kind of have this attitude of why isn't the world knocking on my door? Like why aren't they realizing what an incredible actor or writer or or musician that i am like right. why why are they not inviting me to go play the arena um and and you know you and it's it's sad because they're t- talent wise they deserve that but but there's this other side of it which is just how hard you're willing to, to push and um and that's and that so that's that's the one thing we've always tried to stay very mindful of um you know we're gonna we're gonna make the best music that we possibly can and then we're just gonna continue to uh, keep at it. I mean, as a songwriter, are you someone who is like writing every day? Because again, you you have put out a lot of records. Uh, you've been pretty consistent with that. I mean, is there like a stockpile of songs that you haven't put out, or do you tend to kind of have a body of songs that you're working on and you just sort of fine tune them? Um, I 
guess it's more the latter. I mean, it's weird. Like, uh, the, I'm in this weird moment right now where this happens every time. Whenever we finish recording a record, um, between the day it's, like, you know, mixed and then the day it's released, I typically write pretty close to zero songs um, because it's just not... I just, I feel like, in a way, I'm still living in the the record that's about to come out. Like, I had this with We're All Gonna Die. I had this with Stories Don't End. Um, I, and then with, with Passwords, too. I haven't been able to think about new stuff because I'm just, you know, I'm I'm still living in um, these ten songs, and and uh, it feels good. It, it's not, it's not it's not something that I I think I there was a time where I, it used to kind of freak me out of like can I do I know how to write songs anymore? But now it feels good to be like I'm gonna let it take its time. I think that some guys have this uh, ability to stay, you know, like I'm always gonna try to be working my muscle. I'm always gonna try to be writing, and I think that that's actually a really good thing. I'm not. I would never say don't do that or that that would be bad for me because I'm sure it would not. But I also think it's important for me to, um, you know, I just feel like when I, if I were to, like sometimes, at least for me, my own interpretation of it, if I say like, well, I got to keep working that muscle, it implies like a fear of losing, losing the muscle completely. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to think that way. I don't want to think, in a way of like, well, I, I what if I what if I don't write songs for three months and then I just can't anymore? Um, I don't believe that, and I also I also feel like that would be me operating from a place of fear. So, um, so I don't, I don't. That's not how I think. I think like, okay, I haven't written a song for three months, and maybe the first couple I whoa, there they go. Um, <laughs> They're the dogs. The first couple that I write will be a little rusty, but. Uh, but then I'll get back into it, and so so yeah. So I wish I wrote all the time. And and I do tend to have like a couple like you know like with passwords like there's a uh, two or three songs that I'm really really excited about that didn't make the record um, and like you know that I think are as good as anything else um, but I feel like they weren't appropriate for the the kind of the just the 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 the, the rhythm of that album yeah. and just like what that album was what was getting after so so in that sense i have a stockpile of stuff but it's never more than three or four songs and it and and then it that helps me shape what the next record will look like well let's talk about passwords because i've been listening to this record a lot and my initial sort of response to it was to kind of compare it to the previous record we're all going to die like it seemed much sort of it's like more sparse than that record. It's a very quiet record. There's a lot of space in the songs. There's a lot of beautiful synth sounds on the record, which is new for you guys. It kind of reminded me in a way of like Tunnel of Love sounding synths. Like, and I love that record. And it kind of had that, that vibe to me. Did you feel as you were making it that in a way it was a reaction to the previous record? Because that's such a an overstuffed, there's lots of sounds on that record and there's a lot going on in the production and this seemed almost sort of austere in, co- in comparison to that i mean there there is a there is a reaction to it in the sense of um i mean i love we're all gonna die i'm very proud of it i think it's like a really i think it's it's going to be something that we always look back on as a as a as a uh, i don't know for the for the for the dodge fans that, that give a shit like i think it it, it 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 serves as this sort of turning point like i think that you know, when we made We're All Gonna Die, um, it allowed whatever came after it to be whatever we want. Like, I think some people might have heard 
we're all going to die and thought like why aren't they making north hills again um, <laughs> right. and they're and they're entitled to that that's how they feel i mean i feel like that 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 shows very little understanding of the uh creative process but that's okay people want what they want and that and and i can, you can't argue with feelings when i feel like that but, record um, too like the more you listen to it the more it feels like a piece with the other records like i feel like yeah i mean like yeah. it all comes from the same place like, right. people like and like people don't really believe me when i say this but it's like i was like i didn't think we were doing anything different like we've always kind of operated from this place of uh of uh like let's let's do whatever excites us and if that means if that and like on the first couple records, then, then all that requires is like hearing some reverb on a vocal, <laughs> and, and and hearing uh, drums through some speakers, and hearing a three-part harmony. And that was enough to kind of flip us out. And then and then as time goes on, for anybody who's you know an artist on if in any medium, you 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 want to like that that's going to require different things to just excite you and inspire you and feel like oh my god like this is making me this is making me happy and i want to keep moving forward and so for we're all going to die it was things like the guitar tone on one of us or or the organ tone on picture of a man or or whatever and um and so like and then you know and i'm not saying that means we always have to be pushing forward and pushing weirder i'm just saying that that's what it was in that moment because obviously uh we took we 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 took a different kind of step with with passwords and and we've always kind of tried to come from this place of let's let the music tell us what the record is instead of like coming at the music telling it what the record is. Right. Um, and so with 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 every single one of our records, it's like here's the you know twelve or thirteen songs I'm cooking with, and here's how the guys want to play it, and here's the decisions that we make that hopefully excite or inspire us to put it on the album. And so um, I mean, and I and I and I can definitely. Um, point to certain things that that it wasn't necessarily conscious, but they were, I guess, so like looking back at it, direct reactions to making. Um, we're all gonna die. Um, like the idea that, like you know, after making we're all gonna die, Lee, our keyboardist, was like, man, I was, you know, like he had he had so much fun. He felt there was like a lot of his really cool keyboard uh, features almost, but he did say. Um, it's like, you know, I never, I, I didn't play that much piano. I want to play some more piano, other than this song at the end called As If By Design. Um, so with this record, it was, he was re- kind of really excited to sit mainly behind the grand piano and um, have that be um, something that, that, is, that is very prominent on Passwords. So in those little ways, there was like a reaction, but I feel like that probably goes for any subsequent record to what came before it for everyone ever. I mean, and then even in, the mellowness of it, like, it's funny because, like, I'm so bad at, like, at at uh, having a radar for that. Like, if you told me, man, this record fucking bumps, I would be like, okay, cool, I guess it does. Like, I don't know, you know, like, it's for me, it's, I try not to think about it because when I do, I don't like w- the thoughts that are kind of coming into my head. Right. I start thinking about things like radio and <laughs> like things that matter and things that i'm very indebted to and grateful for but also things that like i feel like if if i were to be thinking those ways of like what's gonna take me to the next place then i think the person that would be able the people that would be able to hear it first way well, even before me the uh would be the listeners would be our fans would be like an audience i feel like they like they're in a lot of a lot of times they're not given enough credit for like you know, knowing how transparent that kind of effort can be. Right. And, and so I feel like, you know, they can, they can, they can tell if,
if I'm in a place where I'm, where as a band we are still in tune with each other and still in tune with our dreams of mu- of being musicians and not like, well, how do we how do we fucking sell out this venue <laughs> or how do we, um, you know, how do we like make this much money? Because I just feel like when an artist uh, applies those those uh, those concepts, those thoughts, um, it's just clear as day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And I think with this record too, it again, like I get back to the the space in the songs. Like I, to me, it's a very sort of like early morning type record, and like the oh, synth cool. sounds, it's sort of like the rays of sun coming over the horizon. Like it's very evocative of that for me, and I, I really like it a lot. I wanted to ask you about the song Telescope because um, that's my favorite song on the record. Oh, cool! Thanks, man. And I think that's, that's like Griffin's favorite too. So is you're. It, company yeah. <laughs> me and griffin on the same page i think it's like one of your yeah. best songs ever actually i i've, I've oh, been thanks. listening to that song all the time and you know it's obviously a narrative song about a father and son and again i, I keep making springsteen allusions here but it, it kind of had like a springsteen type narrative to me just in terms of like a father who's a bad father and you see how it messes up the son later on and yeah th- there's something about that song too where it locks into this sort of like robotic mechanical groove that never has a catharsis. There's like tons of tension in that song that never gets released. Almost like a Radiohead type groove in a way. I don't know. I don't know if that was something in your mind when you're making that song, but could you just talk about that song in particular and what you were thinking when you did that? Yeah, that song started, it's funny. Um, When I wrote, I started writing it, um, because I was listening to a lot of James McMurtry, mm. and he is so good at these narrative songs of like of of really getting into, yeah, what it means to um, connect with yourself or those around you or the, the environment that you grow up in, and it and it's very colloquial, it's very conversational, but it's also very deep and very perceptive. And um, like when I first wrote it, it was very finger picky, you know one, four, five major chords, just like almost like a pretty straight country song with, um, with those same lyrics. And I wrote the entire first verse and the entire chorus, um, all in this very straight kind of like, uh, yeah, like singer songwriter kind of thing. And, um, and it worked. It, 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 it like sounded like something I would have done in 2008 or something. And, um, and, and I, and, and I liked it, but because it just, it, it felt like if we, if we pursued it as such, it would have ended up being a song that uh, either didn't make the record or just had no real identity of its own. Um, and then I was listening to, uh, I, so while I was listening to that, and I mean, not to be all referential because I feel like it went away from these things very fast. I right. don't feel like it sounds like a James McMurtry song at all, nor do I feel like it sounds like a Tom Waits song, but I was listening to Gun Street Girl a lot off of Rain Dogs. Um, and I don't, and that song always kind of eluded me. I, I've always been a fan of that record, but that song always like, um, I would always be in it in the beginning, and then I would just sort of like drift off into these images without understanding what he was talking about. So, I, so I had a really good time kind of digging further in with that song and really like trying to uh, unearth a little more from it. So anyway, it was kind of on my mind, and it has that sort of like minor key kind of riff that 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 goes through it. So I was trying to think in those terms, but, but then what I ended up on was like something that doesn't sound anything like him. And then, and I tried to 
I, I, you know, with, with that sort of thing, like as a band, I try to leave things alone. You know, I like I'll come up with like, oh, here's like a the beginning of something, and I'm just gonna let it stay the beginning. It was just kind of riff in D minor that I didn't really have a clear idea of what it was gonna end up being, and then um, and then I just bring it to the guys as a 20% formed idea, and I and I knew that the uh, I knew that I knew what these lyrics were going to be, and I knew what the concept was going to be, but I just kind of brought it to them as something that was very, very unfinished. And then so it allowed them to bring this kind of robotic um, tense, and um, like you know, it doesn't come off as a blues song. At least I hope it doesn't. And it doesn't come off as a singer-songwritery, uh, you know, narrative song. Um, even though those were two big inspirations for it. Yeah, I mean, I th- so I think that that. Um, in that sense, it was it was like I, I, that, that was one of my favorite examples of of how our band works. Um, it's always the most rewarding when we don't know what we're about to do, and and we just um, trust each other. You know, Griffin had said like because we we actually recorded eleven songs first, and um, and then we were we we were we had to take a few weeks off, and then we were like let's record a couple more just to have options. And um, one of them was a song that didn't make the record, and then one of them was Telescope. So it almost, didn't, almost wasn't even recorded for the record. And it was kind of at the, um, the urging of, of uh, Griffin. Griffin was like, I have some ideas on the drums. I feel like it could be really cool. And, and we didn't know what they were. And we, we, let it, we let it be that way. We let it just kind of, kind of let us know once we sat down behind the microphones. And, um, and that, does, that isn't always the case. Like sometime, sometimes the, the songs... Like the riff or, or the progression will really dictate what the band should play. Like a song like Living in the Future, it's, it's pretty clear pretty quick, like this is what we all should do, you know. Um, where, where, and then with, with Telescope, that, it was the opposite, where it's like we can do, we can do whatever we want. And, and, and it really, I feel like it really shows the way all four of our brains work yeah. in, a, in a singular way. Yeah, I, mean, so th- I was really excited about the way that came out. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great example of how... the music can foreshadow and draw out things in the lyric that aren't spelled out. Like, I feel like at the end of that song, that kid's going to do something bad and we don't know what it is because there's just a tension in the music again, that never gets released. So like you feel it throughout the whole song and there's, it's not like you start yelling at the end of the song or you play a big guitar solo. It's like, it kind of stays on the same level and there's that beautiful, there's that lovely against that, that synth sound in the outro. That's really lovely but you feel like, oh God, what's going to happen when the song's over? Like, what's this kid going to do? <laughs> you know? That's really cool. Yeah, that's and that's and that's what I was hoping for. I mean, I you know, I've I've always <clears throat> had this tendency. This is why I can't write just like short stories or books or anything, even though I wish I could. Like sometimes my uh, my my um, thread, my like line of thinking, will just kind of change courses, and I'll and I'll. Like a song like Crack the Case, where I'll have this first verse that is like about me and 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 my relationship with with um, and not and not about me specifically, but but uh, but uh, but but me as well. Where when people are asked these baity questions, and not just in an interview, but in real life, whether it's in a conversation between friends or if it's on Twitter or something like that, where we're at this we're at this weird moment in time where um, it has less to do with. Be saying something that would be heard and digested by someone, it has much more to do with just saying it. And, like, you know, throw caution to the wind. Who cares who gets mad? 
Uh, we just want to hear something fucking sensational. And, and it's really upsetting and it's really unfortunate. Um, uh, at least to me. And so anyway, I bring that up just cause like in the first verse of that, it, it, uh, it's a, it's kind of exploring that. And then the second verse is about, uh, an impending breakup or a potential breakup between, uh, a married couple. Um, and, and it, I feel like it explores these same themes that I want to talk about of like what it means to forgive and what it means to accept someone, um, for who they are, how, despite how ugly that is, and despite how selfish that can be sometimes, um, and yeah, it's, it's, so it's very much the same song, and it's like it's saying thing. These verses are, are are getting after the same stuff, but it's but like my way of writing. Sometimes I'll just I won't think twice about about yeah doing exactly that. Just totally jumping uh, the 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 shark. Is that how when that phrase is appropriate? I don't know. <laughs> um, but like just kind of totally changing gears. Um, and and then and whereas with telescope it was really important to me to not do that to like I want to start with a song about this 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 boy who uh, who is not based on a, a friend of mine but but kind of inspired by a friend of mine his story is much different and um and it's one that I actually don't know the particulars of but uh but it but it was sort of like like that it was I wanted to make sure I I stayed in that place and I didn't. Um, yeah, do that same thing, and like all of a sudden, verse three, it's like, well, what happened to the kid? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, it kind of hangs in the air there. Okay, guys, we're going to get back to the conversation here in a minute, but I want to tell you about one of our sponsors for this week, and it is our old friends at Blue Apron. Now, we all know that Blue Apron delivers farm-fresh ingredients and step-by-step recipes to your door because it's their mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And they achieve this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Now, someone who has used Blue Apron, uh, I really like the convenience of it. I mean, you get home from work, and you have to make food for your for your family. It can be a hard thing to do. Sometimes you just end up throwing something in the microwave because it's the easiest thing. But with Blue Apron, uh, not only is this food easy to make, but they're giving you these great ingredients where you can make incredibly elaborate dishes that are super tasty. For instance, on their current menu, you have honey chipotle glazed chicken with pavolano and lime sauce. That just sounds delicious. My mouth is watering as I am saying it. (laughs) Now, if you have not yet tried Blue Apron, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash celebration. That's right. That's a deal just for my listeners. It's tasty food. It's easy to make. uh, And the family and the kids, they all love it. So, Yes, you should get into it if you've not tried it yet. Again, go to blueapron.com slash celebration to get your first three meals for free. Okay, guys, let's get back to my conversation. I mean, you've, you've touched yeah. on this already about you know, some of the themes on the record talking about uh, you know, the need for empathy and, and, and breakdowns in communication. And, you know, there's political stuff on the record, then there's personal stuff. I don't know if I'm uh, wrong to feel this way or how you'd feel about this, but I, I detect a, a lot of dread on this record. And maybe it's because <laughs> of how the band sounds, again, because of the quietness of the performances and in, in, in how you're singing. There's a shell-shocked quality to some of the songs, to me. And I'm wondering if that's something that you feel in the record. Um, I mean, it's something that I feel sometimes, like... You know, like a song like Stay Down, like that's track two. Right. <laughs> it's pretty, it's not very hopeful. 
Um, <laughs> and and when, when, I, when we wrote it and like when we recorded it, I was kind of like freaked out by how pleasing it was to sing. Like I was like, oh God, this sounds nice. And, it's, and it shouldn't, and it doesn't, but it did in that moment. And so like when we had that song, and then a song like uh, Time Flies Either Way, where it is much more an embracement, embracing of, uh, of, uh, of the life and the time that we have, um, it was important to me. I was like, this, Stay Down has to come early, and Time Flies Either Way has to end the record, or else that won't arc out in the way that I kind of needed to in order to feel comfortable with Stay Down being on the album. Like, if that was the feeling that I left you with, if Stay Down was the last song, I would feel like that doesn't represent how I see things, you know, right. um, and, and, how, and how I actually feel right now. I mean, I do think, it's funny you say shell-shocked. I, 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 I do feel that way recently. I don't, I don't know whether it's just me um, or if a lot of people feel this way, but I sometimes don't feel like I have the stomach for some of the um, crazy things I come across where right. um, people are just, like, out for blood. And, and I read something and I just get not, the wind knocked out of me um, like, oh yeah, well, you know, fuck them too. And it's like, oh my gosh, okay, I guess that's where we're at. That's, that's the tone. Um, and, and I, and sometimes it feels appropriate and it feels ex like exactly what, um, like it feels like exactly how, the, you know, we, a person should be expressing themselves. But I do feel like we live in this moment of, uh, like just kind of screaming into the void. You know, it's like this thing of like, like if you don't like me, as a dude, and if you think I'm an asshole, like you might go to your friends and be like, yeah, that guy Taylor's the worst because he's this and this and this, and you might give this laundry list, and you might embellish a bit, and you might really like kind of drag me over the coals. And then if I were to walk into the room and it's like, hey, like, why don't you tell Taylor how you feel, that, like, your, that version of your issues with me would be much more tame and, and diplomatic and then also more true because you would have to stand behind them. Like, you would have to be like, well, I'm not going to tell him he's this and to his face because, like, actually that would make me an asshole because I can't really back it up. So, like, this, 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 this moment of, like, not having to um, stand behind these statements um, is, like, so – it's not that it didn't exist before. It's always been a part of who we are. Yeah. But now it's, like, on display. And now it's, like, here for us all to revel in on an on a hourly basis. Right. And um, – and that's the thing that I, that, that's like that, that's the attitude that, that, uh, that is upsetting. And, and for me, for just the way I kind of like come at the world. And um, I, I like with a, with a song like Crack the Case, like in a lot of ways that song is about like, it's kind of talking to myself. It's like, well, I'm going to have to get through Thanksgiving with members of my family that don't think the way I do. <laughs> and like, and how am I going to do that? Am I going to rage? literally rage at them or am i going to um try to shake a hand and remember that i love these people right um and so like it and, and so that's kind of like i i hope that that can co that comes across on the album as a whole um like i i, I don't think of, i think of myself as almost to a fault but a very optimistic person um i actually like i some of my friends give me a hard time about it sometimes because it's sometimes it's 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 uh it's just borderline naive, um, but that's how I like to. That's how I get through the day. That's kind of like how I how I have to be to get through the day. Well, and, and so well, you you've alluded to this. I mean, like I feel like the record actually 
it starts off sort of in a darker place and it gets more hopeful towards the end. And there are love songs on the record, of course, more, I guess, in the second half of the record. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, because, I mean, you, I think of you as like a storytelling type songwriter more than an autobiographical songwriter, although I'm sure your own life informs what you write. But, I mean, when you write a love song now, I mean, you are in a position like where people, like, they know who you're engaged to. You're engaged to a very famous person. And I imagine right. that that gets projected onto your songs. And this is obviously not your main concern with your personal life, but I wonder, like, as a songwriter, is that ever concerning to you when your own story, your private life, gets projected onto the songs that you're writing? Well, in a way, I've always tried to... You know, maybe this is a weird thing, but like, you know, I've 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 enjoyed at different times in my relationship with songwriting to try to get to a place where whatever the song is about does not represent my personal life. You know, like certain songs where like, no, I didn't go through that. It's just a, it's something that struck me as a potentially moving song, and 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 uh, and I and it was ideas that I had, but it wasn't necessarily an experience that I had. And and I think that's important. And I've talked about that before a little bit, like the idea that that um, I don't want to put myself on display. I don't. I, I I don't want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to make it like. I don't want to make it a um, like an airing of my dirty laundry. You know, like it's 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 it can be voyeuristic. It can be self-absorbed. Like the idea that like I can go through a breakup, um, and then like tell everyone my side while some like poor sweet ex-girlfriend is like well jesus like come on you know like that's like and that's not that's something that i've wanted to always be careful with because it's not um it's not fair to those around me it wouldn't be it and i and i i there's there's a i i realize that that's a bit of a almost a cliche with writers it's like that everything is is fodder for them so so be wary you know and and so with me um I don't want to. I don't want to live that life. I don't want to like have an issue with my friend and then have them have to worry about um, me kind of announcing it to the world. Um, and I also like I've always struggled with what's the difference between m- making an suge- like an announcement of something like she left and my heart is broken. Like if you say that in the right way, that's going to move someone. But if you don't offer anything beyond that, what are you doing for them other than like? showing them an image of a of a really sad situation like we can all sit down and look at pictures of like you know starving families or whatever and like really get upset but like like you know and and, and I'm, I'm i'm not saying like the, the, of course like there's i just feel like there's there's song versions where where it can be something where like how, how do we how do we go beyond just the suggestion of it of how bad things can be and just leave someone there? How do we go beyond that and, and, and offer something, saying, and here's, and here's a way to deal with it, even if it's just on a personal basis? I realize how earnest that sounds. I realize how cheesy that sounds. <laughs> but that's kind of how I am willing. That's, that's the place I have to get to in order to be willing to sing these songs. Like a song like, uh, for our fourth record, uh, uh, Now That It's Too Late Maria, where like, it ends in a place where I feel good when I reach the end of that song as a singer. If that song ended in the third verse, I would. I, and if the guys were like, "Let's play that tonight," I'd be like, "I just don't want to. 
I don't know why anyone wants to hear that. I don't know why they want to feel that way. I don't know why I want to feel that way. But I like to think that in the fourth verse, there is a bit of an empowering uh, offering where it's like, you know, an in, 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 in acceptance of a situation that can, like, kind of hopefully at some point put a smile on someone's face that might be experiencing something similar. Anyway, I know I'm digressing a little bit, but, but to bring it back to these newer songs that are very clearly about a time in my life um, of, you know, getting married and, you know, it's like on, on one hand, it's, it's, uh, it's freaky. It's like, it's it, like, even like not, never going to say goodbye. Like that wasn't meant for anyone else, <laughs> which is like funny to say, but like that was like, she was having a bad night. I was out of town. She actually had to go to the doctor cause she like hurt her eye. Um, and I wasn't there and I felt really helpless and I felt shitty and you know, she needed help and I couldn't be the person to, to give it to her. And, and that's a horrible feeling as a partner. And, um, so I wrote this song kind of for myself to kind of deal with that and for her to let her know that I was kind of with her in whatever way I could be. So when she got home that night from, from the doctor, I sent her that song. And I, I really honestly thought that was going to be the, the life of that song. That would have been it. And then I showed it to Griffin um, just because, like, you know, what would you do last night? Like, oh, I did this. Check it out. You know, that sort of thing, that you that language that you have with, like, a brother. And um, and so uh, Mandy knew it and Griffin knew it. And then, and then they were like, this is good. Let's, like, try to play it. And then all of a sudden it was, like, going to maybe be a Dawes song. And I, and I resisted at first. I was like, I don't know if that's kind of – that's, like – that's our language. That's our private space that is now being asked to uh, become something that everyone else gets to see. And, and for that reason, I'm actually very proud and, and honored that it's on the record because it's like, you know what, this is, this is getting closer to home than it's ever gotten before. You guys are, you know, like the way that any, uh, you know, husband and wife or, 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 or girlfriend and boyfriend or, or that language that you share when you're alone, yeah. the way that you tell the other person how you feel about them, that's some like really private stuff. And and this song is kind of like a, uh, an example of that. And it's it, it was a, it was a way of me communicating something to her that I couldn't just say in a phone call or a text, right? And um, or even in the song itself, I don't know, but. Um, wouldn't it bench you yeah, have you so can write like a song was, to your it, wife? It's allowing people in in a way that is hard to do. And and it's something that I've always I've always tried to be mindful of not um I don't know, like we don't listen to the, our favorite artists for their gossip. Right. We don't li- we don't listen to our favorite artists so that they give us private details. Like that's none of our business. I like Bob Dylan and, and Bruce Springsteen and Connor Oberst and all these guys because of the way that they think, not because of like not because of the way that they, not because of things that have happened that are juicy, you know. Well, um, although like when so you listen, I'm to- hoping that even though um, I am marrying someone in like m- much more of the public eye than I will ever be, um, I am hoping that like despite there being that context, which I'm totally stoked about and fine with, I hope people are coming, are, are, like, are showing up for the for what the song is saying or any of these songs are saying, rather than what they're about. Like, right. I think that context can, can help a song feel richer, but I don't think it should be the other way around. Right. I don't think, you, you, like, this song should help the context be more exciting. Right. You know, it, along the same lines, and, like, 
you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but I am curious because like you do work in the same business as her ex-husband and you probably run in some of the same circles. Is Has that ever been awkward for you? Um, we've never crossed paths and, and, and he's had his, he's, you know, had his ways of, of kind of, you know, just like, um, how do you say, like respectfully just kind of wishing us the best and like, no, no, um, no, like he, he yeah, he's, he's, it's, it's been very gentlemanly and, and I, I don't, I don't, we met once years and years and years ago, way before I ever met Mandy, um, but yeah, we don't we don't know each other, and and we and and this yeah, I mean you know I, I wish him nothing but the best, and yeah, but uh, but yeah, we don't. It's 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 actually despite us doing the same thing for a living, it's actually been as if we don't. Okay, well that's good to hear. Well, I know you have to get going here, so I just want to wrap up with one more question, and it's kind of like a big picture question because like one thing that fascinates me about your band and the band's career is that. You're sort of like in your own space, really, in music, because like you're not really a mainstream rock band. You're not really like an indie rock band. You have a big audience, and you're really successful, but it's hard to slot you in any one place. And I'm just wondering, if that's something you ever think about, do you feel like you have a crew, or do you, like who are your people, or do you feel like you are sort of an island in music right now? Um, It's funny. I mean, like... When I look at like some of the, my favorite artists that are like that are doing it right now, like a, a band like The National or a songwriter like Jason Isbell, and I look at their relationship with their fans, it, it's easy to like kind of tell myself the story of like, well, we're not really country enough for the Isbell fans, and we're not indie enough for the National fans, um, but also like they have the same versions of those stories, you know? Like, no, I feel like any fan base is going to be a uh, a specific one like there's there's going to be all these concentric circles of like of all these different artists and 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 yeah some some national fans might think like dog is pretty cool and other national fans might be like that's the cheesiest worst shit i've ever heard <laughs> or certain isbel fans might hear dog and be like i love it and then other guys might be like it's too weird they're not like why don't they just play slide guitar and like have some fucking cool uh rock like you know country rock kind of, kind of vibes that I, that i we actually truly love yeah. Um, so it's like we've we've always uh, like just chased after what's excited us, and sometimes that's Wayne Shorter, and sometimes that's Kanye West, and like and and I, and I'm sure it can be uh, uh, frustrating <laughs> for someone that that uh, likes us for one particular thing. I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping that as time goes on, our fans that that are sticking around and our fans that are showing up. Um, are, are kind of a, approaching it with that feeling that, that at least at least that I feel with a lot of my favorite artists. Like when I look at the Stones and who they were in the early '60s, and, and then who they were in the early '80s, and how I adore both of those uh, versions of that band. Um, and yet I don't necessarily see when it changed, or I don't, I don't see a decision to be a different thing. It just kind of that's just. What happened to them? Right. Um, and, and or Paul Simon, uh, like because, like making Simon and Garfunkel music, and then eventually making Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints, and it's like it just felt like what he needed to do for the sake of his inspiration and his creativity. And I think that anybody that listens to these artists, 
and likes these artists. I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that said, like, I like Paul Simon, but how dare he go out of, like, what we all expected from him and make Graceland. Right. Uh, like, you, like when, when you have enough time as a remove, you're willing to take the journey with the artist. Right. You're willing to, you, you subscribe to the artist instead of the, the, the art itself, if that makes sense. Um, at least that's how it feels a lot of the time with, with musicians, where it's like, I'm, I'm here for Neil Young, I'm here for Bob Dylan. I don't, I don't know what that means right now. I don't know if they're going to do something insane or if they're going to do something that we have, uh, you know, that we consider definitive. Um, so, like, I, I'm hoping that as with, with each record that Dawes fans can kind of adopt this mindset of, um, you know, like, I don't know what Dawes is going to do, but I'm, I, I, I trust them yeah. to do something that's true to them. And obviously, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to like it, but, <laughs> but, but, um, but that, that you can at least respect that that's, that's the trip we're on. We're not here to, to uh, just simply... Like, well, we got to find our niche and then make sure we stay in that niche so that we can be working in 20 years. Like, I just, like I said before, I feel like that would be the, the, the uh, uh, an assured road to ending the band, you know? Like, <laughs> right. I just feel like that would, everybody would, would, would be like, okay, they're dead, literally dead. Right. And, and so we kind of have to um, stay mindful of, like, well, what's going to continue to excite us despite you know, how, how, whatever direction that takes us. And I, and I, I, when, when I think about our fans, I think like how crazy lucky we are to have 10 fans, let alone enough fans to like, you know, let us have a career as a band. Um, like we're a bunch of like white dudes from LA in 2018 playing acoustic guitar music. That's <laughs> like, that sounds like the formula for something that no one wants to hear. <laughs> And, like, so I think that the fact that we have an audience and that people have been willing to give us a chance um, and the fact that we have these songs with long guitar solos and long verses and, and people are willing to kind of, like, stick with us means so much more to me than I could ever express because it seems so impossible. Well, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Paul Simon, and I think the thread with him has always been, you know, great songwriting lyrics, you know, great storytelling lyrics, no matter what he was doing. And I think the thread mm-hmm. with you guys is the same thing and how yeah. you sound together as a band. I mean, you just play great. The songs are always great. And I think you're six for six. I think this is another <laughs> oh, really good thanks, record. Man. Man. You've been really doing great. Uh, so, Taylor, thank you so much, man. It was such a pleasure talking with you, and, and, and good luck with the record and everything else. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Hey, take Love care. Talking to you. All right, so that was me and Taylor Goldsmith from Dawes. We got into it. We did not talk about the AV Club. I'm sorry. I, I know some of you were probably waiting for me to bring that up. I'm like, I'm not going to bring this up to Taylor Goldsmith. This was like seven years ago. He's not going to remember this or care about it. And, it. and if he did know about it or care about it, it would have made the conversation awkward. Although, who knows? Maybe he would have like wanted me to bring it up. Maybe he knew that I was the Dawes guy from the AV Club. Maybe we would have been bonded in our awkwardness by being turned into a meme by mean message board people. <laughs> Maybe I blew it by not bringing it up. But I didn't bring it up. But I didn't need to bring it up. We, we had a lot of other great things to talk about. And it was a great conversation. I'm glad he was able to do it. Um, Guys, thanks again for listening. Got to give a shout out, as always, to the man who makes it happen, Derek Madden. Thank you, Derek, for putting this 
all together. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Josh Copperman, the man who wrote our great theme song. Thank you, Josh, for the tunes. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Thanks for leaving reviews. Thanks for talking about us on social media. I say this every episode, but I mean it. We would not be here without you. So thank you for your support. It means a lot. It means a lot to me. Thank you also, everyone who has bought the book, Twilight of the Gods, A Journey to the End of Classic Rock. It's been out now about two months. Uh, The response has been great, really great reviews. Uh, I've heard nice things from people. I've heard not nice things from people. Not everyone is going to like a book (laughs) that you write, but that's cool. You know, I appreciate anyone who reads it and gives it the time of day. So thank you all for that. Guys, we will be back again next week with more Celebration Rock, and I look forward to it. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.